Thank you for joining us today for Armchair Historians. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cannon. Armchair Historians is a Belgian Rabbit production. Stay up to date with us through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Wherever you listen to your podcast, that is where you'll find us. You can also find us at armchairhistorians.com. Also, won't you consider becoming a patron of the show? In an effort to keep Armchair Historians commercial-free, I have decided to work with Patreon. To find out more, go to patreon.com backslash armchairhistorians. That's historians with an S. You can also find a link to our Patreon page in the episode notes. You will be helping me to keep the lights on. And if you can't make a donation, that's totally cool. I just hope you will continue to listen to our free podcasts. Some of you know that I live in the Colorado Rocky Mountains. I love living here, and I have met some of the most interesting people. Our guest today, Leon Joseph Littlebird, is no exception. His family history literally goes back to the beginning. With indigenous roots through his mother's family line and pioneer roots through his father's, you are in for a treat. Not only is Leon a skilled lyricist and musician, you can hear him playing in the background right now, he is an amazing storyteller. It's the changing of the seasons that's taught me to be strong. I've got dirt beneath my fingernails. Denims are all torn from chopping wood. With multi-generation ancestral roots in both pioneer and Native American cultures, Leon Joseph Littlebird inherited a passion for local history, storytelling, and music. This passion inspired him to do years of research into the oral and recorded histories of his ancestors and the neighboring tribes. He is a guest speaker for Colorado Mountain College classes on both Colorado and Native history, and his presentations are popular with historical societies and tour groups. Little Bird delights his audiences with stories that weave the lives and talents of the earliest inhabitants of Colorado into a fascinating series of how music was discovered. Using many types of ancient instruments, he performs examples of how music came to be an integral part of life in the tribes from mountains to plains and the Southwest. As the presentation progresses and the music unfolds, he includes stories from his Colorado pioneer family that come to life in original songs. In addition to being a renowned storyteller, Leon is also an internationally recognized songwriter and recording artist who performs on world-class stages all over the country. An evening with Leon Joseph Little Bird will delight and surprise you with a unique look at local history and wonderful entertainment. Thank you for being here, Leon. Well, I don't think I've ever heard anyone read all that before. That was, I'm blushing. <laughs> well, it's, uh, yeah, it's well written. It made my job easier because I usually go and look for a bio, but you sent me the whole bio and it's beautiful. And I think it really gives a sense of uh, what I know about you. So uh, this is Armchair Historians. And today I'm going to ask you the question that I ask all of my guests, which is, 
What's your favorite history that we're going to be talking about today? Well, today, my favorite history is going to be about my pioneer family. Uh, it's really interesting. I've been certainly asked many times in my life to write a book about my family because the history, they were some of the very first pioneers to arrive after gold was discovered, um, 1858, 59. Uh, so, that's the story I'd like to tell you today. Okay, I'm really excited. I know a little bit about uh, your uh, ancestors, not too much, but I love a good story, and I know that you're a great storyteller, so I'm putting on my seatbelt and looking forward to the ride. <laughs> well, it could be a roller coaster, so make that <laughs> seatbelt tight. So this all really starts with my great-grandfather, whose name was Charles Augustine Christian Demoineau. And Demoineau is two words in French. It's a small D-E-S, capital M-O-I-N-E-A-U-X. So like Des Moines, Iowa, but with an A-U-X on the end. And Demoineau means little bird. And my dad used that in his art, and I've used that in my music, uh, because Demoineau is a beautiful name but no one in America can say it <laughs> or spell it. So, um, so, and then because my mother's history is, in, is more indigenous and a lot of my family, including my dad would call me uh, little bird out of affection. I've adopted little bird, but it's the same name. So Charles Augustine Christian Damono and his wife, Sarah Anna, whose maiden name was Morehouse were married in Dubuque, Iowa and had a three-year-old son where my dad, great-grandfather was working for the Dubuque Mining Company as a mining engineer. And they found out that there was gold in Colorado. So can you imagine they packed up three Conestoga wagons and an ox cart with a three-year-old kid and came from Dubuque to Auraria, which is now Denver. Mm -hmm. And that's the confluence of Cherry Creek and the Platte River. And they bought more supplies there and then headed up Clear Creek Canyon. Now, imagine what kind of trail or road. So what year was this again? 1859. 1859 right. Mm -hmm. Right at the uh, the fall of 1859. So they arrived in Blackhawk. So wait, they, let me let me just um, yeah. stop for a second so I get it right in my head. I want to make sure I'm following the right story. So this is your um, on your father's side? On my father's side. Right. And the child is your great grandfather? No, the, the, the my great grandfather is the father. The the child would have been my great uncle. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. And, and actually his name is Charles also. And my great uncle Charles is buried in the Leadville Pioneer Cemetery. And mm -hmm. um and he grew up to be first chair violinist at the Tabor Opera House. <laughs> oh, wow. So there's a little musical history there that's still local, too. So Charles and Sarah, when they arrived in Blackhawk, built um, a general store, which also became the post office. And so Charles uh, was the first postmaster of the territory of Colorado. And we have that document. We have all his documents. He saved everything. Oh, cool. And in this document, it's from Washington and everywhere it says state of there's two black ink lines through the word state and T-E-R-R -R period is written in. So wow. territory of Colorado. And they um, also built the very first brick building in Blackhawk, 
we have some old newspaper articles about him building and encourages other citizens to do same, right? Because fires was a big deal. And, um, you know, all those wooden uh, buildings would burn down. So here they arrive in Black Hawk with three wagons and an ox cart. And in the ox cart, um, and this was one of my dad's favorite stories to talk about this ox cart. Um, it was all musical instruments. And one of them was an 800 pound rosewood Henry F. Miller square grand piano. Um, there's one wow. just like it in the Hamill house yep. in Georgetown. They're yep. almost exactly alike. 85 key uh, ivory and ebony made in Boston, but also um, mandolins, violins. Uh, and I, we, my family have almost all those instruments. Oh, I have wow. all the stringed ones. My, I have a nephew who has the piano. And um, so really, really interesting. And um, the, they had four more children and they all lived, which in those days with the 70 plus percent infant mortality rate, I think that they all lived for a number of reasons. I'm pretty sure my family ate pretty well. I think my great grandparents were very prosperous. In fact, I know they were. And uh, so they were healthy, they had good conditions and they were, um, but all their kids lived and uh, left kind of fabled stories behind them as well. And, and one of them was my grandfather who was born in Central City in 1863 during the Civil War. And so back to Charles Augustine. Now he first arrived in America from France, from the mountains of France, Donzy, France, he first came at when he was about 26 years old, I think, in 1844. And he first arrived in New Orleans. He traveled around down south. And it makes mm -hmm. sense he would go to New Orleans because yeah. of the French community there. And um, somewhere along the line, uh, we have uh, been contacted and confirmed by the records that he was in the Army of the Republic in Texas. The oh guys who fought the Alamo, those guys, although obviously wasn't there, but uh, he was in the Army of the Republic, which is great because when I do gigs in Texas and I tell people that I never have to buy a drink. So oh, cool. um, <laughs> and he during in 1849, when the big gold strikes in California and the 49er gold rush happened, he led an expedition trying to get across South America so they could sail up the Pacific to California because no one could get across the Rockies. Because of all the research I do, I have found distant cousins in Colombia with our last name, Damon O, very unusual name. And they claim that their great, great grandfather was uh, Carlos Alejandro de Mono. Ah. <laughs> so it's, it's virtually That's his amazing. name. And, um, that's really know. nice for um because I do a lot of uh, ancestral, you know, family history research. And when you have an unusual name, it's so helpful. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it was him. And so uh and we don't really know. There was my dad was very unsure about this because the family didn't want to talk about it. he started a family and came back. But what I have loosely pieced together is he went, he did start a family and his wife died. And so he left, he had a couple children and he left them with her family and came back to the United States. And now I, that's as near as I know, but he came back and got married again. And so that, and that was to my great grandmother. And so 
he was working in Dubuque, Iowa, and um, as a mining engineer. Now, he was a poet and an artist and a musician. You know, he had he was he and Sarah both were trained and accomplished musicians, and also a mining engineer. And in um, he built a bakery in Central City, and had a confectionery store, and built boarding houses, and had mining claims and really an entrepreneur and and really uh, uh, somebody I would wish if I could go back in history and meet one person, it would be him because I have a lot of questions for him. So mm -hmm. they did really well in Central City and Blackhawk for a number of years. They now had um, five children. And I don't know why they moved, but they moved to Idaho Springs. And I think maybe things were moving up Valley that way, you know, as far as gold strikes and things. And he was looking for the next kind of rich place mm -hmm. to go. And I think maybe Central City had gotten a little wild, kind of crazy. There's another family story about uh, when Charles, the oldest son, my great uncle Charles, was a young teen, maybe 13, that a bank robber came into the bakery and, he, and my uncle hit him on the head with a hammer uh, out of fear. Because and killed him, and that's why they moved. Now I don't know. It's a great story, but and, and my dad would tell me the stories. He held up this five-pound hand sledge and say, "This is the hammer that my uncle killed the bank robber with." You know, and so I, I don't know if that's just family <laughs> fable. But they moved to Idaho Springs, and they were there for about six months. But their store burned down. Oh. Then they moved to Georgetown, and. Uh, they didn't stay in Georgetown for long, but Charles de Moineau and Louis Dupuy had to be friends. And my grandfather and great uncle ended up playing violin in the Hotel de Paris. So um, we know for sure my grandfather knew Louis because um, my great uncle is who I'm named after also, Frederick Leon, the composer. And they were both accomplished violinists. So and I had photo I've seen an old photograph of them playing in the dining room of the hotel uh, de paris i think so, i've seen that photo too yeah we've we've been trying to get a copy and kevin and i've looked for it a lot but um they're holding their derbies in their fiddles they have a derby in one hand and their in their fiddle in the other hand and they then moved to silver plume and uh i think that the silver strikes had really taken off and so they were very prosperous in silver plume and in the house that my grandparents lived in is still there uh, Sarah Taylor lives in that house now. It's next to the fire station there. Um, and my dad, uh, although my dad was born in Creed, he came, uh, my grandfather and great uncle went to Creed and started the King Solomon Mine, got married there, started having a family. But Charles, their dad, Charles Augustine, he was older and ill and called the boys home. And so my dad doesn't ever remember being a Creed because he was only two months old when they brought him to Silver Plume. So oh, okay. all his memories are Silver Plume. But my Charles Augustine, my great grandfather and some other entrepreneurs from Silver Plume built a town above Silver Plume called Brownville. And you can see Brownville or Brownsville. But he was also the postmaster. And I've had some of the historical people say we've we don't know if it's brownville or brownsville and i had his cancellation stamps and one year the s was left off <laughs> so, so there are some some po some postage out there canceled brownville but it was actually brownsville because that's browns canyon 
or Brown's Gulch, I think it was. Um, and you know, and that's, and that's still, that, the next exit up off of uh, 70 is Brownsville, but there's like nothing there. Right. Well, there was a town there and, and it was never a really super prosperous mining town. But if you research it historically, it's interesting for me because it's remembered as a happy town filled with music. So there were many musicians. It was maybe a little music heaven or a little artist's haven. And um, and my family lived there until the landslides actually wiped it out. So, you you know, where so was, Clifford- that, was that one? Th- OK, I thought the town that got wiped out by the landslide was on the other side of like where 90 is. But was that? No, it's it's right there above Silver Plume. I mean, it was it was right there. And um, that, you know, that whole mountain slid three times. And oh, so, okay. um, you know, the first slides were in the late 1800s and it slid again, like in 1910 or something like that. My Aunt Mary, my dad, my great aunt, Aunt Mary was still living there and moved out and her house was wiped out. She had a it's in one of the ghost story books. She had this premonition. It came in the middle of the night and she called the brothers and they were all, what do you want? Come on, you got to move me. And the next day, boom, it came down and took out the back of her house. So wow. it's it's kind of a cool story. But I really love the idea of um, the town of Brownsville was full of art and poetry and music. And, and I think that that's really cool. And then, you know, there's the much fabled story in Silverplume about Clifford Griffin, the owner of the yeah. 730 mine. Well, that was out of Brownsville. Well, could you just tell us that? Because the audience probably doesn't know that story. Well, Clifford Griffin had left, I believe, England is where he was from because his this is as the story goes. His fiance died the night before their wedding and he was grief stricken and he and his brother came to Colorado kind of, you know, to get over it and to do a whole new life. And uh, he became the owner of the 730 mine, which is, stands for 730 in the morning because all the other mines started at 630 <laughs> and they started at 730. So <laughs> the 730 mine, but he would sit up on the, on the mine above, the town of Silverplume in Brownsville and plays fiddle. And so people liked his music. And then one day, as they say, it was a most really beautiful night of music. And then they heard a gunshot and he went up there and he had dug a, dug a grave and shot himself and put himself into the grave. So, yeah. So he had dug his own grave. That was he dug his own grave and then him. shot himself. Yeah. And, and um, you know, he never got over the. Um, and so there's a monument built up there. Uh, have you ever hiked up there and seen the monument? I've not. I know about the monument. Bob has done it several times. One of these days. Well, right there is where everything slid. So if you're standing at the Griff- Clifford Griffiths Monument and you look and you're in that gully where everything slid down, Brownville would have been directly below it. Oh, wow. Huh. So that's kind of a, a way you can tell which, where it used to be. But so Charles, you know, had boarding houses. Um, He's a store owner, he's postmaster, but he played piano, violin, mandolin, and sousaphone. And um, my dad would tell me, you know the bandstand, the band shell in um, Silverplume? Yes. Well, my dad would always say that my grandfather and great uncle were very instrumental in building that so they'd have a place to play. Because oh, wow. they were they were they had a band, you know, they were they were uh, always working as musicians. So Alfred Victor, Dame Winnow is my grandfather, and his beloved brother was Frederick Leon, which is how I get my name. 
So they went to Crete for a while, um, got married, had some kids, came back. My well, they had my dad actually, the only one kid, and came back to Silver Plume and to Brownville. And then Charles Augustine passed away. So now that the boys had all of his stuff. And but at the same time, silver was getting devalued and things were getting a little rough. You know, those mines were st- starting to close. And uh, so with all of this history that they had, um, here's my grandparents living in this town with this really young boy. And then they have another young boy. So they've got two young sons running around the town of Silver Plume. Think of that in, you know, early 1900s, right? Yeah. And, and, what, and what was the population at that time? Would, would I don't know, but it was pretty well. Well, yeah, way bigger than it is now. I mean, it was yeah. a real bustling town back then. I mean, my dad remembers seeing a guy that was shot out of the saloon in the morning on his way to school, still lying in the street. I mean, um, and so I'm going to shift now more towards my father because there's really great stories. We're going to stop here for today, but be sure to join us next week for part two of the Leon Joseph Little Bird interview. You're not going to want to miss it. There is an interesting and surprising plot twist at the end. And today I leave you with My Colorado, written and performed by Leon. My Colorado My Colorado Living in a cabin By a mountain stream Spend my evenings lit by lantern light Fire that's flickering I learned to love the summers When the winter's set in long It's the changing of the seasons That's taught me to be strong I've got dirt beneath my fingernails Denims are all torn From chopping wood in autumn To keep my winters warm I know where to hike What to ski and when to plant in spring And when the time is right To let my grateful spirit sing Of Colorado All these things of beauty Tie me to a dream They have taught me I am part of Everything Like the clear blue sky at twilight And the autumn aspen leaves The wild flowers of summer And the scent of evergreens The stillness of the winter Beneath blankets of fresh snow And the sky so full of stars Wrapped in midnight indigo The high plains of the east The arid desert west The San Juans and the Sangres Full of untouched wilderness And when I'm deep inside her canyons 
the ancient rivers flow and remind me of the reasons I love my Colorado. My Colorado. All these things of beauty tie me to a dream they have taught me I am part of everything like the cold clear rushing water in a high mountain stream flowing into rivers turning valleys so green and the proud 14ers standing with their peaks up in the sky playing games with the cloud ships there's the jet stream sailing by the red rocks and the flat irons above fields of grain that grow all make me lift my voice and sing i love my colorado 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 Colorado My Colorado